0: Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much, and God bless you. When we are... I think we'll finish up with Amazing Grace when we get through today. Because he talks about, I was once blind, but now I see. And so today, we're going to be back in John chapter 9. And I really kind of want to go back to where I was last week. There were things that I wanted to say last week, and I didn't get said. and So I kind of really want to start back in the beginning of chapter 9 again. I hope that's okay with y'all. But that's what I'm going to do today. Remember John chapter 9, uh, we're seeing the illustration that that Jesus is the light of the world. That He said that in John chapter 8. Now here in John chapter 9, He's going to say He's the light of the world. As we see that this morning, as we look at that this morning, we want to see Jesus' compassion, his power and we'll see his the controversy he creates. Well, as we look at this, let's just read this again for just a minute. It says in John chapter 9, as Jesus now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who who sinned this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned but that the works of God should be revealed in Him. I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when He had said these things, He spat on the ground and He made clay with the saliva and He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And He said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated simp. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes open? he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. And then they said to Him, Where is He? And He said, I do not know. They brought Him who was formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened His eyes. And the Pharisees also asked Him again how He had received His sight. And He said to them, He put on my clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. And then... We want to stop right there. So, remember, we were talking about that they were trying to kill Jesus because he said he was the light of the world. Because he said before Abraham was, I am. Right? And and as he passed by, as he was passing by the Pharisees, as he was leaving them, he kind of hid himself. And as he passed by them, they are wanting, they are trying to kill him. And and as he passes by them. He sees the blind man and he cares more about the blind man than he does his own life. Now I wanted to say some things that uh, there are more miracles of Jesus giving sight to the blind recorded than any other kind of healings in the whole rest of the Gospels. In the Old Testament, the giving of sight to the blind is associated with God Himself. It's a messianic, or in other words, a Christ activity it says in Isaiah 35, 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be un- unstopped. My favorite section is in Luke chapter 4, where it just so happens, and I say just so happens it was God ordained that Jesus came into the temple that day, and it says He came to Nazareth where He'd been brought up, and as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and He stood up to read, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave, the, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, This day this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. These are some of the things that God had promised that the Messiah would do when he came, would be give healing to eyes. And of course, he did all these other things. And this Luke 4 is kind of... a passage that fits in with Matthew chapter 5 because he, he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. He's talking about those who know they need to be saved and, and those who are oppressed and all these things. But remember this whole this whole chapter is steeped in controversy. I mentioned a verse last week and I went back and looked it up and he said that he has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. That's First Peter chapter 2. Verse nine, and so as we look at this chapter, there's so much controversy. There's controversy between the disciples and Jesus. They wanting to know why is this man blind, and then the beggar and his neighbors. They're wanting to say, "Is it really you?" and and then the beggar and the Pharisees. They're saying, "Well, well how are you healed? How are you healed?" and and then they uh, there's a controversy between the Pharisee and his parents because the Pharisees are wanting the parents to say, "Well, hey, you know, is this really your son?" and uh, what happened to him, and they won't speak up because of the fact that they're afraid they'll get kicked out of the synagogue. And then the beggar and the Pharisees, the Pharisees confront him again. And then the Pharisees confront Jesus. And there's a lot going on in this chapter. But this is the sixth sixth of the seven miracles that John records in his book. And remember, it is uh, showing us the characteristics when this man is blind that, that we all are blind, that uh, we're poor, that we're begging, and that we're helpless. I have a saying, we're helpless and hopeless and hurting. <laughs> That's the people who are unsaved is because they don't know anything else. So as we look at this, he says, and the disciples ask him, saying, Rabbi, why was this man? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's been born blind? Remember Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Remember they had a theology of, or a teaching basically that said that if somebody had a physical problem, that they thought that they had sinned or the parents had sinned. And we talked about that last week, that, that the Bible nowhere teaches that children are punished for the sins of the parents. Now, sometimes in a way they are because of the way the parents live. The parents, the kids don't get everything they're supposed to. Sometimes the parents grow up living the wrong way and the kids grow up doing the same thing because that's all they know. But the Bible says that each person is responsible for his own sin. And But notice what Jesus says. The whole reason this man has been born blind is that the works of God might be shown in him. What he's saying here is this man is a miracle waiting to happen. Basically, that he is born blind because one day Jesus is going to come along and heal him. And I said last week that every single one of us have problems and physical infirmities and things going on in our life that God wants to use in our lives to show others how great He is. It says in Romans 8.18 that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be considered with the glory which we'll have in heaven. He says, all that desire to live godly shall suffer. We remember the verse, of course, Romans 8.28 that says, that all things work together for good to them that love God and called according to His purposes. In other words, no matter what happens to us in life, God wants to use that to show us who He really is. But then as we go through the suffering, as we go through the trials, we're supposed to be different than other people. Because see, when other people have problems and things, they usually react differently, right? I know when my mother was in the hospital and she was in the ICU unit. We were up there a lot and the doctor messed up and basically he ended up killed her because he messed up and he did something he shouldn't have done. And uh, we were up there and other people, families were having problems and during that time, they were all coming back in and they all were drunk and bombed out of their mind and cussing and having fits and going crazy, and I'm not saying we acted perfectly, but I'm saying we got a lot of opportunity to pray with people and to witness to people and tell them about Jesus while we were in that same situation we were in, and we reacted different, differently to the trial that we were going through. Now this man, he he's not saved yet. He's going to be saved by the end of the chapter, but right this minute, he doesn't know what's going on. And he does, doesn't know who this is, but Jesus says the works of God are supposed to be revealed in Him. Next, he says in verse 4, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus says His purpose, our purpose in life is to work for Him, to spend our time ministering to others, to care for others, to, to help those that are helpless and hopeless and hurting. And I've said before, and I spent a good bit of time on this last week, that every single one of us can minister to somebody. We can hold their hand, we can shake their hand, we can cry with them, we can pray for them, and we can do all kinds of things to help other people. We can invite people to this church service, whatever it is. But Jesus says there's an urgency to this command. This is a command. We must work the works of Him who sent me. Jesus is saying that all of us are called to tell others about Christ. Because see, there comes a day when no man can work. And He's talking about everybody. He says that one day, the time will be up. The night comes. and. Whether he's talking about the night that when people die and they're out of this life and if they don't know Christ, they're, they're in hell. I'm, I'm, you know, that's what the Bible teaches. And that's one of the reasons, the main reason we do church services, right? Is not just to sing and have a good time, but we do it because there's a lost and dying world out there and there are people who need to know Jesus. They need to know the joy, the peace, the abundant life. They need to know that no matter what happens in life, that that God is with them and God cares for them and God loves them and that He'll never leave them or nor forsake them. And that's our job to tell others about that. If, if, If we know Christ, that is our job because one day we'll be gone out of this world and we can't tell anybody else And one day they'll be gone out of this world and they'll either be in heaven or they'll be in hell. And that's just the reality of it. And so you don't get a second chance. You don't get a do-over. I'm so used to computers anymore that that I I sometimes wish I could hit the undo button. Anybody know about computers? There's a button on a computer. You you can hit it and it undoes the last thing that you did. If you mess something up, you get to hit the undo button, right? Right? And I, I just sometimes think, boy, I wish I had an undo button because sometimes I mess stuff up and do things wrong. But there's no undo, there's no do-overs. There. You, you, you only go around in this life once, as the beer commercial says. You don't go for all the gusto you can get. You need to go for all the gods you can get because God loves you. God cares for you. But those folks going for the gusto, one day they're going to find out that the gusto has gotten them. And they're really going to be in trouble. Many, many people live a lives of quiet desperation that we don't know really what's going on in their lives. But because they don't have Christ, they don't have what we have. And I hope all of you all here know Christ. I know a lot of you do. But I don't know everyone of you single in person. And I don't know what your testimony is. But if you don't know Christ, you need to know Him. Because one day is coming and there won't be another chance. Jesus said, or actually the book of Hebrews says in chapter 9 verse 27 that it is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. So we don't get a second chance. And so Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And basically what He's saying, He said before He was the light of the world, but He says my time is short. And when I get gone, my time for work will be over. The time for certain things that I'm doing will be over. And I've got a short amount of time to do it. We've got to do it before I'm hung on that cross. And before that, I've I've got a a, a divine agenda just as we have one. And then he says, when he had said these things, verse 6, He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and then he said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. So basically Jesus does this deliberately. He spits on the ground because, and he makes clay because guess what? There was a rule that the Pharisees had. Now this wasn't God's law, but it was the Pharisees that said you can't spit on the ground because if you do, that's making mud or making clay and that's work. That's how dumb they got with their Sabbath laws. They really did. I told you all that last week. You couldn't throw something up with one hand and catch it with the other because that was work. Now you could throw it up with one hand and catch it with the same hand. Ain't that crazy? That was some of the laws they had. And... They had taken what God said and they had just added thing upon thing upon thing upon thing. It's like if you can't sit in this chair, what they do is they say, well, we got to put the chair outside somewhere so you can't even get to the chair is what they would do. And so they made it so hard on people. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to reject the law but to fulfill the law. Because see, when He came, what He was telling them is, y'all don't have the law anymore. Because they had added so many rules. They had added like 630-something extra rules above what God put in the Bible. It's hard enough to keep the ones that God gave us. We can't keep them, much less all the ones they added. We see His compassion, And we see His purpose that He came to work and to seek and save that which was lost. And He's called us to do that too. And then we see His power. He takes that clay. And I think there was a couple reasons He did use the clay. Number one, He did it to upset the Pharisees because He knew that that was against their rules, their regulations. But then I think he also did it secondly because of the fact that on the day that God created up man, what did he do? He got down on the ground and he created man out of the dust of the earth. He tells the guy to go wash. Now God's sovereign. He could have just healed this man and there's times in the Bible, guess what? God uses all kinds of means, all kinds of ways to heal people. He didn't have to use clay. There were times that he just said, put his hands on somebody's eyes and they were they were healed. One time he spit and the guy could see partially and then he did something and he could see totally. And then there were times that he just healed people's eyes totally and completely all at once, right? I mean, God can work any way He wants to work. And maybe He did it several different ways because of the fact that He didn't want us to think there was only one way for God to work. But he also uses means. You know, he can use the he uses the doctor sometimes to heal us, right? He uses the physician, he uses people to heal us. He uses all kinds of things to work in our life. He doesn't have to use those things, but he does. He doesn't have to use us, but he does. The thing is is he tells this guy go and wash now if this guy had to went and wash guess what he wouldn't have been healed maybe one man said he put that clay and that nasty spit on his eye and i think i'd be probably running for the water to get that mess off my eyes or something because it was probably nasty and i don't know if it actually got got in his eyes or what but remember his eyes were probably sunk back he really didn't have any eyes because he was born blind this is the only example of a guy who was actually born blind that Jesus creates brand new eyes. He, gets, he makes the mud and he basically, I think, forms him a brand new eye just as he stooped down and he formed a man out of the dust of the ground. He forms a man's brand new eyes. And he says he went, now this is our part, right? God did his part. He says, I've healed you if you will obey me. And many, many times, God wants to work in our life. He wants to do something. But you know what happens? We don't obey Him. We don't follow Him. We don't do what He tells us to do. And when we don't do what He tells us to do, we miss out on the blessings that God has for us. Did you know that? God wants us to do His will, and He has so many blessings for us. The Bible tells us that the person is faithful in the little things, God will give him much, right? But that means you have to do the little things. And God starts us out asking us to do this little thing and that little thing and then He gets a little bigger and a little bigger and eventually He might ask us to do something great, you know? I mean, some of these folks that are out there, Billy Graham and some of these others, they didn't start out preaching to hundreds of thousands of people and preaching on TV across the world. They started out maybe preaching like this in a little old crowd and then they got the bigger and the bigger and God put him where He wanted him as he obeyed. And that's what God wants us to do. And so this man obeys and he goes and he washes and he comes back seeing because he did what God told him to do. And then therefore it says in verse 8, "...the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged?" Now notice... They're not sure because, see, the guy looks totally different. Have you ever seen anybody that's, that really has been born blind or has been blind a real long time? Their faces, if they're not wearing glasses, their eyes are kind of sunk back. And they really don't have anything there, right? Well, guess what? When Jesus made brand new eyes and this guy's eyes are open, he looks different. And you know what? That's a picture. When we get saved, when we trust Christ, when we live like we're supposed to do and obey God, guess what? we look different to people too. do you know that? That's what's supposed to attract people to us as we look different than everybody else in this world. that's what's supposed to attract them and, and they couldn't figure it out. they said, is this he who sat and begged? And some said this is he? Others said he is like him. Well, he looks kind of like him, but he looks different because now he's got two eyes and he's probably grinning from ear to ear and smiling and and he probably was a very happy person before Jesus gave him new eyes because he couldn't do very much. And he said, I am he. He tells him, yes, it's me. And therefore they said to him, how are your eyes open? They don't understand this. He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. Remember, we said last week that 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 pool Siloam, it, it, it was an artificial pool that was made by, I guess, an aqueduct or whatever they used, some piping to pipe that water down into another pool, but it came from what was called the virgin's fount. Now, Jesus was sent of a virgin. And He came down to us, right? Now the way it was, was this virgin's fount was up on the hill. And it flowed down through this aqueduct down into this pool of Siloam. And so basically what He's saying is you go to the pool, I have sent you... To the Messiah. Because this word Siloam or Shiloh is the word from the Old Testament when Shiloh has come. And that's where we get that word Shiloh speaking of Jesus, speaking of Christ. And and it means that, that the Messiah was coming. And so basically what he was using a little word play here and he says, I'm sending you to the Messiah. And so it represented him. He went and he came back. He says, first of all, this man was a man named Jesus. We're going to see the spiritual progression of this man. First he sees he's a man. Then he sees he's a prophet. And then he sees that he's from that he's from God. And then a little bit later on he's going to say, Lord, I believe that You're the Son of Man, that You're Jesus. And so he says, I went. And I washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? Now he was blind. He didn't know where the man went to. He said, I don't know. And then they brought him, who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. I don't know exactly why they did that. Maybe they thought they'd get a little kudos because it says now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. There's the kicker. It's the Sabbath. And they're taking him to the Pharisees because somebody's worked on the Sabbath and they shouldn't have. And he says, and the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed. And I see that's the third time that it says he washed and he saw. You know, the Bible talks about us being washed by the washing of the water of the word that God speaks to us and he tells us his truth and we hear his word and we believe his truth and he washes us with the regenerating water of his word and he cleanses us and he makes us whole and he saves us and that's what he did with this man he he washed him and he cleansed him and he made him whole he was blind but now he sees Remember the old movies they used to say, I see, I see, when they got saved. And, and that's really what it is because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that, that the God of this world has blinded the eyes that we may not see. 2 Corinthians 4.6 said, It is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. We couldn't see what was the truth. We couldn't see what to do that was right. But now we can see what to do. And today that's what we're called to do. And so I want to stop right there today. Hopefully next week we'll move a little further down the road. But I wanted to cover some things that I didn't cover last week. And there was a lot more to this passage than we covered. So let's turn to page 71. We're going to sing Amazing Grace.